0: Table, cast iron skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee Farm. Table, pick them maters, good and wrap. Dropping black and candy stripes. Look at them loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee Farm. Table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table.
1: Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table Podcast and Broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that mountain south Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. This morning, we are setting the table with a traditional fall-time Appalachian culinary tradition, sorghum. Sorghum is not molasses, It's a sweet syrup, all its own, derived from a grass plant. It's harvested, boiled down every fall and September in our region, and sorghum has a different taste according to where it's grown, the dirt it's grown in, and how it's processed. Not all sorghum tastes the same. In this show, we'll hear from a cast of characters I've assembled here today to talk about this Appalachian slow sugar that truly has its own taste, unique to our Appalachian region. We hear from Fred Sossman with a visit from his friend, Dr. Mike Fleener, an orthopedic surgeon who grows and makes sorghum and has a sorghum boil every year in Washington County, Virginia. Two-time James Beard award-winning food writer, Ronnie Lundy, tells us about the differences between sorghum and molasses. And Mary D. D. Constantine, the happily retired former food writer for the Knoxville News Sentinel, shares tips on how to substitute sorghum in place of white sugar in cooking and shares the recipe for butternut squash and apple bake that uses sorghum by way of Ronnie Lundy and her book entitled Sorghum Saver. And then we'll be joined by Chef Matt Gallagher of Amelia and Knox Mason Restaurants. He'll share a delicious way to enjoy sorghum with biscuits. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It is such an honor to have your good company. Now let's get started. Let's first join our friend Fred Sossman, a food writer of the Foods of Appalachia. He's from Johnson City, Tennessee, and he went to a sorghum boil at his friend Mike Fleener's, and he recorded this segment for us.
2: It's an ancient African grass and its juice is a precious commodity in places like Tennessee, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Virginia. Every fall, the people who grow that cane live for the day when they can cut it, squeeze out the juice, and boil it down into sorghum syrup, an all-natural sweetener. Dr. Mike Fleener is an orthopedic surgeon and a sorghum maker. We're actually cooking down the sorghum juice to make
3: sorghum syrup. We ground last night using the mill and an antique tractor to power it. And I uh, got 80 gallons of juice from the sorghum cane that we produced. We grew here and up in Brumley Gap and put it in the pan. And we've been cooking today since about... 10 o'clock, I guess, this morning. So we've been going about four hours now. Usually it takes about five hours for this pan and it looks like we're on schedule.
2: Dr. Fleener grows cane and makes syrup every year for friends and family in Washington County, Virginia. Well, this is a,
3: a real social event with a time of fellowship and food. I've got neighbors and associates and loved ones coming in and everybody brings something to eat and we just have a good day the weather's been perfect probably in the next hour we'll take our product off the fire here and bottle it everybody'll have a good bit of sorghum syrup put on their cereal and or put in their recipes and we're not making molasses this is actually sorghum syrup and that's what folks in this region have made for years, but they called it molasses, so some call it sorghum molasses. It's all where we cook the juice down from the cane to the the sweet product.
2: The sorghum seed is planted in late spring. By September, the cane is ready for harvest. There's labor all along the way. The making of the sorghum syrup requires constant attention. When
3: we start out, some folks say it looks like pond water, green, looks like it's full of algae. Actually, it's chlorophyll, the coloring agent in the plant. And by heating it up, it rises to the top and we skim it off. And once we get all the contaminants out of it, meaning the chlorophyll and all, it starts changing colors and consistency, and then the thickness of it increases, and that's how we judge when to take it off, when it starts stringing
2: out, and then we really have the syrup. When the sorghum syrup is nearly done, Dr. Fleener looks for frog eyes, bubbles that indicate the cooking time is almost over and that's kind
3: of the art of it sometimes we'll use a thermometer to actually measure the temperature like 225 to 228 degrees fahrenheit but we just kind of see when the string of the thickness of the syrup starts to form
2: no gas and no electricity are used for the cooking it's wood and fire. We're
3: using wood from wooden pallets, most of it's oak, which holds the heat and temperature better. Only one or two of us has permission to add wood to the fire because you have to really regulate it, the whole process, so you don't get it too hot because it'll boil over. If you get it too cool, it doesn't evaporate the water out of it and you don't get syrup. It's just kind of a fine dance with the temperatures.
2: As Mike Fleener makes sorghum syrup, you can see the training of the medical doctor in his approach.
3: The science and chemistry behind it is what interests me too. But the fellowship and you see all these different folks from different walks of life, we're all interested in preserving some of
2: the lost arts. Sorghum syrup has connected Dr. Mike Fleener to people from all across the country through his membership in the National Sweet Sorghum Producers and Processors Association. And the sweet liquid connects him to his past with every bite of sorghum-sweetened cornbread and biscuits come wintertime. For the Tennessee Farm Table, I'm Fred Sossman.
1: You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and today we are setting the table with sorghum. Sorghum and molasses. Those names are interchangeable. Some sorghum purists get mighty irritated when people call sorghum molasses. So coming up is two-time James Beard award-winning food writer, Ronnie Lundy. She's going to set us straight on why sorghum and molasses are not the same thing. Yes, a <laughs> yes,
4: yes. Um, molasses is a, a byproduct of the process of making sugar. So you have um, a, a plant, uh, sugar cane or beets, and you squeeze out of that a liquid that is sweet and you boil that and then you put it through a centrifugal force that causes it to crystallize, and the crystals come out, and the uh, and the liquid stays behind, and that becomes cane syrup when you have cane sugar, and. Um, if you boil it a little longer, that becomes molasses like you can buy in the store. And if you boil it a little longer than that, it becomes blackstrap molasses, which is, if you remember, kind of tastes like geritol. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm showing my age oh, no. by knowing what geritol is. But um, um, sorghum, however, is, is a plant that acts like sugarcane. Um, it is actually a grass but there are certain strains of it. Most strains of it are used as a grain, but there are certain strains of it that have a high sugar content in the stalk. So it can be squeezed just like sugar cane also, and it can be boiled off just like sugar cane. What it doesn't do is crystallize when you put it through the centrifugal force, not not in a reliable way. Um, so, so it's not good to make a crystallized sugar. So people would just use the syrup itself as a sweetener. And so we... Uh, we called it sargam molasses. We called it molasses. People in the mountains often are are well. People all around the country called sargam cane sugar cane also. Mm-hmm. So you can meet people who are still doing this up in the mountains who say, um, "My daddy grew sugar cane and he made it into molasses," but in fact, you can't grow sugar cane at the altitude and the latitude where you are. So what they're actually talking about is sargam. Uh, sorghum, cane sorghum and turning that into sorghum syrup. In, in order to um, recognize that this is an artisanal product that has a very different character and nature than um, um, molasses in the store, and so you should pay more for it, and you will get a different result with it. Um, the National Sweet Sorghum Producers and um, Processors Association has started asking all of its members to call it sorghum syrup, but um, I, as I discovered as I was interviewing several of the members, it's a hard habit to break. Uh, a lot of people will call it sorghum syrup and then molasses or sorghum molasses. So. Um, but, but I call it sorghum syrup in the book just just to make that clear
5: I actually saw that where you had said that you spoke to this one guy and within the matter of so many minutes he had said Danny Townsend yeah yeah, yeah.
4: and he's a former president of the uh <laughs> you know and he's he's the second or third largest sar- sargum syrup producer in the country so it's not you know yeah. but um but yeah he's he's great and and um you know, molasses is, is a great word. It, it, it's, you know, slow as molasses, it's in our vernacular, it's, it's in our understanding. So it's hard to break away from that. But um, pure sorghum syrup uh, has a, a richer, more complicated flavor profile than molasses does. And so it's really a more valuable ingredient.
5: And you say, say, you say sorghum. Mm-hmm. I say sorghum.
4: Right. And there are people who say surgam Um and and I'm not sure, um I, I you know, I we need some uh word doctor, uh, what are they called? People who study words. Oh, um what is that? Yes. I, well, there we but, go. I mean, is
5: that the Kentucky, Linguist. do you think? The I,
4: I grew up saying Sargum. I think that's what my family said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm assuming that's probably regional Kentucky mm-hmm. Mountain. Um, I don't, you can tell I don't have an accent, but yeah. that was an oddity in my family. We, we were all... Um, born in eastern Kentucky. I grew up more in Louisville, so I probably lost a lot of the accent then. But that's how I remember everyone calling it. But I know people who call it sorghum and people call it sorghum.
1: You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and today we are setting the table with sorghum. You just heard from two-time James Beard award-winning food writer, Ronnie Lundy, and she set us straight on what is sorghum syrup and what is molasses. Ronnie has written a bunch of books, and one of them is called Sorghum Savor. and links to her books, her website, uh, Fred Sossman, and Mary Constantine, and all of my guests can always be found at TennesseeFarmTable.com. Up next is Mary Constantine, the happily retired former food writer for the Knott'sville News Sentinel. She's going to share tips on how to substitute sorghum in place of white sugar in cooking, and she shares a recipe for butternut squash and apple bake made with sorghum by way of Ronnie Lundy from her book Sorghum Savor. <laughs> Find us a brand new recipe. And now it's time for Mary D.D. D. Constantine. She's that Bassett hound-loving, grandbaby-chasing, happily retired, former food writer for the Knoxville New Sentinel.
5: I recently presented a cooking demonstration, so I chose to feature our regional Muddy Pond Sorghum. Thankfully, I had Ronnie Lundy's fabulous Sorghum Saver cookbook as a guide. I have plenty of ingredients in my cupboard that I've bought once and never used again. I didn't want sorghum to be one of those things because, by golly, it deserves better. So my goal was to show folks the many ways that you can fit it into your daily cooking routine. One of those very simple ways is to simply use sorghum in place of anything that calls for white sugar. Yep, it gives you a little deeper, richer flavor than white sugar, but there is nothing wrong about that. Now, Lundy does write in her book that that works as long as you're substituting teaspoons or tablespoons, but when it comes to using cup for cup, she recommends using about half a cup of sorghum to every one cup of white sugar that it calls for because the sorghum adds a little more liquid to the batter, and you can kind of play with that and get a better idea of, of how you want that to go. And one of the dishes that I prepared was Lundy's butternut squash and apple bake. I think it could easily be referred to as the most perfect use of any autumn ingredients. It calls for sorghum. It calls for butternut squash. It calls for apples. I mean, you can't go wrong. I liked it so much that the next day I made it again. But I added my own little twist to it and included chopped sweet potatoes and a little bit of Benton's bacon, just for good measure. If you'd like to prepare the dish, you need one medium butternut squash, peeled, seeded, and cut into one-inch cubes, three medium tart green apples, I use Granny Smith, and you need to core and cut those into one-inch cubes, salt and freshly ground black pepper, a fourth of a cup of sorghum syrup, 1 third cup dried cherries, dried raisins, or dried cranberries, and I use the dried cranberries and I purchased the ones that are 50% less sugar. They were wonderful. Then you also need 2 to 3 tablespoons of butter and a tablespoon of fresh lemon juice. Preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Lightly grease a 9 by 13 inch baking pan. Place the squash and the apples in the pan and the sweet potatoes if you decide to add those. Season it with salt and pepper and then set it aside. Now in a saucepan, you need to combine the sorghum, the cranberries, the butter and the lemon juice. Heat it up and stir it until everything is well melted and combined. Pour that syrup mixture over the squash and apple mixture. Cover it with aluminum foil and bake it for half an hour. Take it out of the oven, remove the foil, stir it a little bit, and then put it back in the oven for another half an hour. Checking on it every once in a while just to make sure it's not you know browning around the edges and that everything's cooking evenly. So you might want to give it a stir. Then take it out of the oven when it's cooked through. And now if you want to, you can do what I did and just cut up a little bit of cooked Benton's bacon to go on top. It makes about six servings, and I tell you what, it is the perfect addition to any fall table. This is Mary Constantine with a Tennessee Farm Table.
1: And now let's join Chef Matt Gallagher of Amelia and Knox Mason Restaurants in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's going to let us know how he likes his biscuits with country ham and sorghum butter. Ronnie Lundy's term for sorghum butter is gravy horse.
6: Um... Beyond that, I love biscuits. You know, I've I've learned to make biscuits. My mom's a great biscuit maker. My granddad makes great biscuits, um, but it's taken me uh, most of my career to get to a point where I feel like I make good biscuits. But <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of our biscuits now. Um, but um, yeah, I'm happy with a uh, I'm happy with a biscuit with sorghum butter and country ham. It's one of the best things, one of the best yeah. flavor combinations uh, that I can think of. But um,
1: tell me about sorghum butter. What is that? Well,
6: it's basically just. Uh, butter that we soften and add sorghum to just mm. spike it and flavor mm. it um sorghum is a is a little um yeah you know, maybe a little esoteric i think a lot of people just consider sorghum to be molasses but those are two very different things uh when you're talking about flavor profiles molasses is a byproduct of the sugar refining process so it's it's sweet and syrupy but it's it's kind of a singular note um sorghum is a, actually a grass um that's harvested in the fall and and um, a very traditional method of turning that, um, the tall grass into a, into a, uh, delicious syrup. But the sorghum is sweet and syrupy, but it also has a, a, really, um, complex, um, somewhat earthy, there's a little bit of a bitter note, which actually works pretty well with the sweetness. Um, uh, there's a little bit of sourness in there too. So it's a really complex flavor. Um, but the sweetness is the, is a overriding, um, flavor, but, um, But I think with the saltiness of the country ham and kind of the fluffiness of a biscuit, it's a really good combination for me. Yummy!
1: Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.
0: Thank you.